1: Welcome to Nobody Panic with me, Stevie and Tessa. Hello. That's it, that's all there is. That's it. And today we've brought in a third because obviously January, shittest month ever. We thought, what makes it the shittest month ever? Possibly it's tax if you're freelance. And if you're not, you can still listen because it'll be very jolly and you'll learn something anyway. Mm -hmm. In fact, definitely listen. And we've got probably the best sort of taxer uh, that I've ever heard (laughs) of. It is, uh, I mean, it's... You've got too many jobs. It's uh, a comedian, a writer, podcaster, YouTuber, uh, sort of v- visionary uh, vi- <laughs> vibesman, uh, taxman, uh, John Robbins.
3: Hi there, everyone!
1: Thank you so Hello. much for coming on. I, sh-
3: I should point out, I'm the best unqualified taxer, so sure, I, sure, I, yeah, sure. I, I am not qualified to give individual tax advice. Just yeah. need to really make that clear. If
2: None you want to be- get in touch with John through <laughs> yeah. his contact details, he can do your tax return this year. For free as well. Yeah. He loves tax so much that actually that's what he does now. Famous accountant who transitioned into comedy. We've been wanting to do this for him for a long time because people write to us about how hard it is. We've both found it obviously nosebleedingly uh, stressful. Mm. And I would say that before we managed to find outside help and get an accountant... Um,
1: 29th of January was obviously a terrible day. Well, even now, I have, I have an accountant and... Um, I cry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because she just asks me to, like, give her my bank statements. And even that, I'm, like, shaking. Yeah. Like, but what if it's wrong? And also, I'm like, what if it, she sees something and she thinks it's income, but it's not? How, and I end up going through everything anyway, but I don't really know what I'm looking for. So then I'm just sending her, like, wild capital emails and they're all cool things like, Tax! And then it'll be like, this This transaction isn't, is this? And she's like, you yeah, know, I know. And she has to explain to me what like a threshold is every year. And I'm in the same one every year. So I don't know why I need to ask. I'm getting very hot, uh, yeah, not it's, a fun way, thinking it's a, about it's it. It's a hot and
2: horrible subject because not only is it extremely confusing, and if you are freelance, you have maybe chosen not a natural path, lifestyle. not a natural lifestyle, and then to be faced with this thing once a year with all these numbers and all these codes and then hanging over that, the threat that you might go to jail
1: at any point. It's such a stress. Do you love tax as much as you purport to love tax, John?
3: Yeah, I, I do, but that's, I guess, less of a sort of, um, less of my admin obsession and my neatness obsession and more that's more like my sort of political philosophy is that taxes, emergency services, it's mental health care, it's the NHS. It's, it goes into helping people who need the help most. So sort of, in a, philosophically, I, I agree with taxation, mm. you know, no taxation without representation, because there used to be taxation for many hundreds of years with no representation. So you would pay money to the king, to fund wars but you would receive nothing in return so it's a relatively modern thing taxation with representation and I think a point I've made before on like radio show and stuff is that there's a slight uh, identity crisis I think that HMRC has where they used to run these adverts like we're coming for you and like an eye peering for and we're going to find out and Whereas actually, if they said you know, you know the things you love most about this country, mm. so the NHS and you know frontline care workers,
1: bins, those things li- b- libraries, bins. yeah, yeah,
3: these things are council all paid for swimming by tax, pools, the public playgrounds, schools, education, potholes. teachers, all these things that we,
1: potholes, we love <laughs> potholes and we need more of them.
3: But if everyone wrote a list of the things they like most about you know living in Britain or living in a Western democracy all those things, healthcare, et cetera, would be quite high. And they're all paid for by tax. Mm. But we still have this slightly odd... I remember like when Jimmy Carr got done and it was all in the press. There was was this weird attitude of, oh, good for him. Mm. Get him one over. I was amazed by how many people took that thing. Like, well, so what if he fiddled a few quid? It's almost like a a game or it's a battle between you and, in inverted Mm. commas, the tax man. Whereas I've never seen it like that. It's more like... You know, I'm I'm funding what's good about this country. And hey, I may well disagree with sometimes how that money is spent, regardless of your like political colours. You may think, I don't want them. This is why you have elections. So it's sort of, you know,
2: you're completely right that like it just needs a, a rebrand and a rethink um, about how we approach uh, tax. That it's not this like Robin Hood, you know you have to pay your taxes and, oh, Robinson
1: the good guy and he's thieving, you know? The, the um, like, the language and the way that when you try and, like, do your tax return, it almost feels like you're being shut out and you're being excluded if you can't speak in all of that jargon. And and to be honest, it's not even, like, a lot of jargon. But when you're, like, you know, 25 and you're like, what's tax? <laughs> it's well, really hard.
3: That's, like, the part of the problem with being self-employed is no one tells you that though you may be going self-employed for a specific skill or service that you are an expert in or know a lot about or can generate an income from, no-one tells you that the all the other departments of a company that you are also in charge of. So mm. to be honest, HMRC don't really... They understand that you're not an expert, but they it's not on them <laughs> that yeah, like, I, you're yeah, not yeah. an expert. It, and one thing I would say to everyone who's thinking about becoming self-employed or recently self-employed is you have the buck will always stop with you on everything whether it's you know your website or your uh, your taxes or your marketing or transport or whatever it is and you sort of have to get into your head that though you may be a comedian or an electrician or whatever you also have to be your PR department your accountant all these things and of course you can pay other people with specialities in those areas but no one cares as much about your business as you do. Mm. And it's a bit mm. like, yeah. you know, from a comedian's perspective, I've worked with wonderful companies who do great jobs on stuff like tours in Edinburgh, but no one will notice that the phone number for a venue on the poster is wrong, apart from me. When it gets down to that level of detail.
1: yeah,
3: Because it matters most to me that the link on the website is not a dead link to an old page. So you have to check all of that stuff. And it's the same with tax. But from what both of you said, you're saying like it's the most stressful time of the year or it's, you know, the worst moment of the year for anyone self-employed. Well, the key to changing that is not making it a yearly job because if it's a yearly job, it's almost Mm -hmm. an impossible job. So... Go on. Tell us, please.
1: Tell us, please.
3: Getting used to updating and maintaining your records every couple of weeks... So, like the
2: amount of sweat coming out of me is, is quite palpable. Okay, maintaining h- the records yeah. half
3: an hour every two weeks is completely manageable, right?
0: Mm.
3: Whereas 24 hours in a day on the 29th of January is not manageable. No one can yeah. really, and I know people have done that and it's a nightmare. Whereas,
2: yeah, you're talking to two of them, yeah.
3: <laughs> but there's so many, so much incredible software now that for a pretty reasonable subscription and i'm talking like 12 15 quid a month you just enter your figures into a website every every week or two or even every month sometimes mm. and when you then need to file those returns i'm not joking i can file my tax return by clicking three buttons on a website now and oh, it's done wow.
2: What website is is this that you? Collect well, there's
3: there's stuff. loads of different out there. There's zero. You might have seen adverts for zero or mm. QuickBooks or Sage. That's so correct. all this stuff, they're all essentially doing the same thing. Is what what they do is they they link to your bank bank accounts. So every transaction comes up, and you then apportion it to an expense or an income. Mm. And then at the end of the wow, quarter, okay. or the end of the month, or the end of the year they basically go, here's your in, here's your out. And that's all tax is. The detail is incredibly complex, but the big picture is very simple. It's what you've earned minus what you've spent.
2: Mm. That's it.
3: Mm. That really is it. Yeah. So before I was using uh, accounting software, I would basically have two spreadsheets. One was income. So as every date I did a gig, it would be where that gig was and the the fee. And then on another spreadsheet, it would be every time I spent money, it would be what that was spent on. So it would be like food, or hotels, or train tickets, or paper, pens, printing ink, and mileage. And so you just have those two spreadsheets. And if you update them every couple of weeks, that's fine. If you update them once a year, it's not. It's, it's just too, too much stress. And essentially what those accounting softwares are, are online versions of those two spreadsheets.
1: My accountant keeps saying, you should get QuickBooks. And I um, haven't. Now I'm thinking about it properly, I'm frightened that I will uh, download it or whatever you do, upload it, load it, and won't, and be like, I can't understand. Just like the HMRC website, I'll be like, I don't understand. And I won't be able to do it and i feel like an idiot. Is it something that's quite, is it quite user-friendly?
3: Yes. And the HMRC website, I think, is a crap. It's It's so yeah. bad.
1: Okay, yeah. that's it's
3: like
2: nice to hear.
3: It's like 20 years out of date. It's like when you when you Google something and the link is to a BBC website story from the early 2000s, <laughs> yes. and you click on it, and like, oh, the text's really, really small in a column and none of the links work and it's got like yep. real, real media player <laughs> sort of, uh, embedded in it. It's so bad and it's such a shame because it's such an important resource. What I have found with HMRC is if you have a problem or something you don't understand... It might take you a while to get through to someone, but they are so helpful on the phone. They really are. That's been my experience of being self-employed, is if there was what This is before I had an accountant. If there was something I just didn't get, or something that wasn't adding up, or something on the website I didn't get, getting through to a person, they were brilliant. The accounting software is made by cool, young tech dudes who understand websites. So it's really user-friendly. And it does take, you know, it takes a few goes to sort of get your head around it. And there's way more information than you'll need. So you can do invoicing through it. You can do all kinds of stuff. But in terms of that basic in versus out, Mm. it's quite simple. And something that will make your tax returns so much easier is using, and you should be doing this, is using a separate bank account (laughs) and a separate card for Mm. business income and expenses and personal income and expenses. Because then at the end of the year, of you've got a bank account, which is, you know, Stevie Martin business account. Yes. And it'll say X number of pounds if everything you spend is on that card. So, for example, yesterday I went into town to do a podcast recording. I used my business card when I tap in and out on the tube. If I was going to meet a friend, I would use my personal card. If, I'm
1: absolutely devastated that I haven't come to this conclusion myself. I'm 33 years old and i have been self-employed for you know nearly, nearly like eight years. I cannot stand that. But that's so simple. And I've known for ages that people have separate accounts, but I've always been like, oh, I guess it's some sort of complex thing that they do. But actually, that's like this. St-
3: no, it's literally walking into your bank and saying, I need to open up a separate account, and it doesn't have to be a. I don't think it has to be a business account. You can just have right. a separate current account with a different card Mm. and you know if the cards look the same put a little x with a sharpie on one or a b which is what i used to do just put a big b in a sharpie this is the business card (laughs) because were hmrc to investigate you i mean the idea of handing them a year's bank statement which is every single transaction personal and business and trying to get your head around which is just to be a complete nightmare yeah you just simply go here it is here's here's the in it comes to x pounds here's the out it comes to x pounds and that's the same as on my tax return oh yeah,
1: that would be God. so much easier yep okay thank you
3: I think a lot of people get very and I felt exactly the same when when you're faced with a skill you don't have it's really demoralizing yeah. it's really embarrassing and you, it takes you back to school you think oh, am I so thick that I don't can't get mm. my head around this but you need to sort of sit with that feeling and, and go Right, idiots do this. Yeah. I- idiots do this. A bit like driving. The first time you get have your first driving lesson,
0: yeah.
3: you think, how is this so hard? And then you yeah. look up and you think, that person over there driving is thick. They do it? <laughs> so I must be able to do it. So just you just sort of have to, te- you have to face up to that feeling of inadequacy and go, I'm going to learn how to do this. And the first thing I did when I thought I could potentially earn money from stand-up was I went to a day-long course on being self-employed. It was free, run by HMRC. They're probably online now. There's loads of stuff on the internet about how to do it. But I just went to this day-long, very dry, boring course. But it was like, oh, okay. I need... Back then I was doing it on paper because I'm so old. But it was right. You need this book for income, this book for expenses, and you fill in them in in the sort of slots on the tax return. However, I would also say, as well as having separate bank accounts and accounting software the best money you'll ever spend is on a good accountant
1: yeah, yeah okay. I was really surprised about how because I always thought that um, getting an accountant w- was something that like only millionaires yeah. did or like even just like rich people who were doing much better than I was and I got an accountant when I was like maybe 28 and I wasn't really even earning you know particularly good money and my friend was like oh yeah she's she does the whole thing for like 170 quid and I was like yeah, I'll pay that to not have to deal with that. Yeah, And like when it's
3: when it's midday on January the 29th and you just want to die. Like how much would you it's a bit like having toothache. How much would you pay mm. for someone to yeah. get rid of a toothache? Well, Ten a th- thousand pounds, 10,000 <laughs> yeah. pounds, like whatever it costs. Yeah. So the cost of doing someone doing your just your self assessment return, a decent mm. accountant could be anywhere from like 250 to 400 quid a year, depending on where they're based and how much work it is. And the more work you do, so for example, mm. with QuickBooks or with a really good spreadsheet, the less that will cost because they're obviously billing by the hour. So if you just right, send them a right. shoebox of receipts at the end of the year and say, sort it out, it could be quite expensive. But if you send them a spreadsheet, which has got you know your totals of your different expenditures and your income, and that's mirrored by your bank statements... You know that they're, they're literally filling in a form on your behalf, but it's a very stressful form. So I, I think three hundred quid is is more than reasonable for someone to take all of that stress out of your entire year.
1: Yeah, and also if, if you're listening, thinking, oh, I can't afford three hundred quid. Like I've said, my my woman m- my woman does it for like a hundred and seventy, and I have like a spreadsheet, but. it's it's often not added up right. And I don't even put, I, it's only got the stuff going in. It doesn't have anything going out. So she's like, so what I'm saying is if you can, if you ask around like social media, or like, like there's old fashioned, like Facebook or whatever, is actually quite helpful being like, does any other, pe- other people who do a similar thing to you, mm. Do, they, do you guys have an accountant? Who do you have and it, of recommendations? You, c- you could find somebody surprisingly affordable. And
3: also a crucial point, a decent accountant will be saving you more than 300 quid yeah. by doing your accounts in an orderly way and saying, oh, do you know what? Do you know you can claim for this? Or do you know that you can claim right. your house yes. as an office? Yeah. Which is a, a bit of a minefield, but because um, you can't claim as much as you think. Uh, <laughs> and it certainly doesn't feel reasonable if you're paying a lot of rent. However, there are <laughs> amounts you can, if you work from home, you can claim for use of your house as an office. Now, an accountant says that to you and you work out you can claim 30 or 40 quid a month. Over the course of the year, That's mm. could be four, could be 500 quid. So mm. the cost of that accountant, has, they've already sort of doubled their value. And also yes. the cost of the accountant is tax deductible. And if you're registered for VAT, you'll take the VAT off it. So if you're nice. paying 300 quid, including VAT for someone to do your self-assessment return, then that's probably about 200 quid after tax and vat are taken off that as an expense so
0: my god well all, let's get one we all got to yeah. get ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com
1: have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door
0: If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it.
2: Go to Bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's Bombus.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
0: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, That's stamps.com. Code program.
3: The main mistake that I know people make is mixing up what is an expense and what is not an expense.
2: Yes, that's my downfall. People going,
3: oh, I went out for dinner and my friend was there and he's in the same industry. So I'll put that down as a business expense because we talked about my new project for half an hour. That's not. That's not a business expense. And the key term is wholly and exclusively. So is the th- is the thing that you're paying for or buying, is it wholly and exclusively a cost incurred by you doing your business? So a good example is uh, a laptop. Say you're a graphic designer and you need the new MacBook, you know, or you need a faster, that's not, you're not taking the piss. You may need mm. a two or 3,000 pound computer or laptop. However, if you're watching Netflix on it in the evening, and you're, you know, doing personal stuff on it, it's your personal email accounts on there, then that laptop is not wholly and exclusively for the business. So you have to sort of make a reasonable case. You know, if you take your work laptop home with you out of the office at the end of the day, and then it becomes your personal laptop, then that's not wholly and exclusively the cost. But you could say, well, do you know what, I work eight in the morning till sort of five or whatever and I might do half an hour's work when I get home and then I might watch something on the laptop for an hour or two then you could probably argue I'm putting this figure at the top of my head that 75% of the cost is that is for business but I think that's what right in an investigation they want to see that you have taken that into consideration
1: and an accountant I suppose does that aut- automatically for you as in like or just does the thinking because I think it's would that sort of gray that.
2: it's the grayness of it like just now I'm looking at like our nice podcast mics that we're definitely wholly and exclusively there's nothing else really I could do with this but yeah. my headphones I which I also do need to do the podcast I also use those day-to-day as my headphones um and so I this wholly and exclusively thing even though because normally I would have been like this is part of, these are all my business equipment that I need to do my job, but do you also do something else with them? Like a, like a costume for the stage or like something, if like you also wear it in your day-to-day life, then it's not wholly and exclusively well, anymore, is it?
3: Sta- clothing is a really interesting one. And I think that's mm. one that a lot of people mess up on because you really aren't allowed to claim for clothing unless it is Extraordinarily clear that you wouldn't wear it off stage. So, okay. like, like
1: a clown outfit. Yeah, like okay. a clown
3: outfit, like a sort of an insane, sparkly ball gown you might wear for a sketch on a or, or in a play or something that's clearly. Whereas, mm. say, I went to uh, uh, record something and it was going to be put on TV, and I'd fucked up and brought a T-shirt that had a big logo on, and they said you can't wear that, and I and I ran to H and M to get a shirt. I wouldn't personally claim the cost of that because I'm going to wear that once on that record and then I might wear it you know for the next couple of years on and off so that wouldn't be reasonable however if your headphones broke before this podcast recording and there was no way of you recording it without some headphones and you had to run or get an Amazon delivery for tomorrow for some headphones you could potentially make the case that that purchase was wholly and exclusively in order to do your work. I think the thing to realise is it's about what's it's about being reasonable. I think also, were you to get investigated, you can engage with these people. They are people. They understand <laughs> that tax... And I know people who have had horrific experiences with, uh, with investigations. I know people who have had great experiences. Usually, the people who have had horrific experiences are the ones who are quite combative and who are actually <laughs> trying to hide their behaviour and have actually right. fiddled. And right, right. I spoke to someone who is a tax investigator and they said sometimes they'll turn up to a business and the person will just not speak. They just will not speak. Or they'll push in a sack truck with three filing cabinets just stuffed with paperwork and say, there you go, there's the last 10 years, sort it out. To sort of think that they'll go, well, it's going to take 200 hours to go through this stuff. It's not worth our time to do it. But if you say to them, Hey, nice to meet you. Um, bit nervous, but I've got all the stuff on my computer and I, we can call my accountant if needs be. And sort of take things as they come. And they may they may say, you know, worst case scenario, they say, I'm sorry, um Tessa, but you can't you can't claim for those headphones. Worst case scenario. Sorry, I'm that, ever
2: so sorry. It's
3: gonna be an extra what, fifteen quid you owe them in tax?
2: Yeah. They're not gonna go owe-
3: and now you're going to prison. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's but honestly, a ten thousand really, pound fine.
2: Do I owe? I are that. you sure I don't owe a fine for saying they, about the about the headphones?
3: If if they went through your accounts and it was clear that you were using company money for personal expenses to to an extraordinary degree, or you were, for example, getting checks or money paid to your partner or a member of your family who then transfers it to your personal account, which is a fiddle. Oh. Some people do.
1: Oh right. Then they're I'm not gonna... clever enough to do this. I'm not clever enough to do these fiddles. I'm really annoyed. <laughs> and also it, but, I just, but you get caught doing the fiddles. Yeah.
3: But it goes it just goes back to I don't see what the point is in yeah. going to yeah. all that stress of living your life thinking, oh God, I if I get investigated, I'm done. Yeah. For the sake of saving few grand that goes towards good good things. And that's not just me saying it now when I'm more successful than I was. When I first started out, my, the first tax return I ever did, my gross income was £1,200 for the year. <laughs> and, you know, I'd probably done about 8,000 miles. So I, I m- made a loss of thousands of pounds. But getting that right meant that in years to come, I wasn't stressed out yeah. about these things because I tried to get my head around it earlier.
2: This should be the advert. I mean, you should. This, they should just play this verbatim. You should just go on the telly
3: I have dropped enough hints that I would be
2: willing
3: to be employed (laughs) to present HMRC's rebranding.
0: Rebrand. Be the
3: face of tax, the acceptable, (laughs) knowledgeable, normal face of tax for a fee, which I would declare, Uh, but they've they've never made the call. I have had an offer to shadow a forensic accountant. I would love to be a forensic accountant.
2: I lived with a forensic accountant. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> She's so got- forensic
3: accountant is basically, these are the, the men and women who go after the real evaders. And, I, you know, I, I totally get people saying, well, Amazon, Google, don't pay their tax. I totally understand that. That's a real inequality in mm. our tax system. However, the idea of driving down a private gated community thinking, <laughs> now... This guy is registered as a director of a fish and chip shop and he's declaring 50 grand profit a year, yet he's driving a Range Rover Evoque and he has an Aston Martin Vantage in the garage. <laughs> this, is a, this is an eight-bedroom house. He goes on holiday four times a year. Where's this money coming from? Yes. And then you start forensic accountancy. <laughs> basically
1: adrenaline like adrenaline.
3: Uh-huh.
2: How are you going to find out where the money is coming from?
3: Because presumably it's in cash. coming from the fish and chip shop.
2: Oh, it is coming from the fish and chip shop. Oh, he's just not declaring enough money. Yeah, he's
1: or like he's laundering.
2: I'm
3: not not tarring all fish and chip shop owners with a tax evasion brush. But you know when you go into any shop and they say, oh, a card machine's broken, it's just cash. And you go back two months later and it's like, card machine's broken, it's just cash. You think, if I was running a business and my card machine broke, that would be like high priority. Yeah. And they give you this receipt, which is like one of those old fashioned, it just says £6 on the receipt. And you think that till roll's going nowhere. (laughs) No one's keeping that and tallying that up at the end of the day.
1: But what I do find interesting in terms of the perspective is I can imagine it's very easy to do that, not the money laundering thing, the fraud thing, the tax evasion thing on a smaller level when you're like well Amazon and Google aren't paying their tax mm-hmm.
3: so uh. totally it it comes down to like that thing of does my vote make a difference you know yeah. so on the grand scheme of things my vote probably doesn't make a difference but times me by a million people and that vote decides mm-hmm. the, the future of a, a government i guess it just depends on your attitude to stuff like that um, if you're
1: listening and you're laundering or you're uh, frauding, you've just got to get a better attitude, mate.
3: But also, when, when I first started un- under uh, Gordon Brown as Chancellor, yeah. I got working tax credits and they made the difference. I would not be doing this career now. I just wouldn't have been what able to it? afford it if I hadn't what? got working tax credits.
0: What
3: are they? So working tax credits, that you don't get them anymore. But basically, if you worked a certain amount of hours and earned under a certain amount of money... So, for example, I drive to Newcastle... From Bristol to do an open spot, a, a, a comedy night, and I get paid nothing, and it's cost me hundred quid in petrol and a hotel or whatever. I can say, you know, I've worked forty hours this week and I've earned hundred and fifty quid. The government would pay you; they would support the fact what? that you were. Aww. Yeah, you used to That's get so
1: nice.
3: I used to get. I can't remember how much exactly because it was all all Bring tiered, the Labour
2: government back.
3: <laughs> but it was probably five or 600 quid a month, which was my rent. Oh, so mm. once you've used that system, well, not used it, once you've made use of that system, to then go, right, I'm now not giving the HMRC a penny, I'm not giving the government a penny, mm. would be so disingenuous because they have enabled me to do the job I want to do. Now, that's not to say that under, under different governments, that situation might not be the case. And you might think, well, while well, they're cutting this, that and the other... And they're not giving support to people. But that's quite a hard argument to make after furlough. Mm. I think I was going to say that, yeah.
1: Yeah. Paid everyone,
3: (laughs) or pretty much everyone. One area where I think there is a real problem is, and this was because of the credit crunch, but self employed people applying for mortgages, it is an absolute nightmare. It is Mm. a complete nightmare. Uh, they used to let you self-certificate. They used to let you tell them what you earned and they'd say, okay, fair enough, yep. So there's all these people <laughs> who bought houses in like the 80s and 90s, like, yeah, I was pretty amazed I managed to afford this house. But <laughs> the thing is, they do afford those houses. They can pay, yeah. it's that ridiculous situation where, you know, I, I could, <laughs> I know friends who could uh, could prove and get rent a property for two grand a month in London. Mm. but they would not be able to get a mortgage for 500 quid a month. It's kind of insane. Yes.
2: Any That's... anybody self-employed is in exactly that position and especially when the rent is so high. It's so disgusting to be like, but I want to pay you less than yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And I and and then and then you know what they say is and this is sort of pre-pandemic, people were like, well, what if if you're not on a salary, you know, you might lose your job at any time and then like lo and behold, it's like people on salaries were getting kicked this, you know, like n- nothing is stable. If you think you can do it, you should be trusted to be like, yep, yeah, I think I can do it. And if I can't, you take my house. And that should just be the, that should be the game. Like, if you if you think you can, here you go. Have a, have a bloody go, you know? Like, that should be
3: but, rather and, than trying to... And also, there are people for whom the system doesn't work and they mm-hmm. do fall through the cracks and the legislation or the small print doesn't include them. And that's incredibly stressful, um, whether it's tax or mortgages or benefits or whatever. It just... Com- awful, awful. But stuff with like tax loopholes, they don't exist until someone invents them or finds them. You know, the government aren't creating tax legislation to allow very rich people to find ways around it. They're creating some of the most complex legislation in the world. And if you've got enough money and your accountant's got enough time you can say, you know, I'm paying my, account- my team of accountants a million, 10 million a year or whatever, and they, can f- they will find something that HMRC didn't even know exists, something which time. they then have to re-legislate to close it down. So it's not that sort of the system is designed necessarily to benefit very wealthy big companies. It's just that they have the resources, more resources often than HMRC do, to find these inconsistencies.
1: Yeah, wow. and that's the same with, with like, anything. So it's just like, if you've got enough money, you like you can do anything. Yeah. Like that's just how that's what, such a.
2: That's not at all how I had imagined it, and that is such yeah. a refreshing way of thinking about it, of being like, if you've got the money, anyone can find a loophole in anything.
3: Well, it's when people, like, say, you know, ex-celebrity was following this avoidance scheme. And you're like, why did they create this scheme? Well, they yeah. didn't. <laughs> An accountant created yeah. that scheme. It's that, yeah. not a scheme, as in like what you think like a scheme is. Like a graduate is. scheme. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could put together. I could, if I researched it long enough, or whatever, or had the knowledge, I could put together a PDF saying this is the John Robbins tax investment scheme. Mm, And this is a way that you can pay 1% tax and it's perfectly legal. And you go, it doesn't sound particularly legal. Well, (laughs) technically, if you follow A, B and C and then transfer it to D and transfer it back to E and set up an F to call yourself a G, then, yeah, it's 1% tax. But it's like it, it is never... It is never sort of morally legal, Mm, even though if you do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you might get to a point where it's 1%. Just to
2: clarify for anyone listening, there's something I struggled with for a long time is that tax avoidance is the schemes and the loopholes and the totally legal but morally bankrupt things. And tax evasion is the, that is illegal morally and legally. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, I mean. A debate opens up.
3: Tax avoidance (laughs) isn't always morally bankrupt. Oh, please talk. Because yes. tax avoidance and tax efficiency
0: oh.
3: <laughs> are, are, are sort of, there is a there is a Venn diagram where a lot of that is shared land, I guess. For example, if, if my accountant said there's really good tax breaks for electric vehicles, for example, say I had a company car and he said if uh, you know, electric vehicles get a really big uh, tax break or there's a, another thing, I can't remember what they're called, I was talking about them yesterday, there's these certain investment uh, funds which deal in small u k companies, and because they're small u k companies, the government gives you a tax break if you invest in them for a certain amount of time they're mm-hmm. called VCCs I think or VCTs mm. it might be venture capital trusts might be, which sounds sort of terrible and horrible, but yeah. it's an investment vehicle whereby there's a hundred u k startups and instead of putting your money in the stock market or what, or shares or whatever you you give it to these venture capital people who put it in a fund that support new businesses and startups and mm-hmm. because that is sort of an injection into the economy the government say uh, there's a 30% tax break on that investment in a sense you could say well that's avoiding tax because if i'd put this money in another right, place yeah. i'd be paying more tax but it's not. It's sort of tax efficient and it's something the government mm. are encouraging people to do with an electric car. That's obviously a huge benefit to the environment. So it's good that you're saving money by having an electric car as opposed to a, a polluting, more polluting car. So tax efficiency is not a bad thing. Tax efficiency is a good thing. And everyone should right. be, you know, the more knowledge you have about your accounting, the more tax efficient you become. So, right. you know, the government changed the amount you can claim per mile by 5p a mile a couple of years ago because petrol prices were so high like being aware of that is is tax efficient there was a podcast money box uh podcast which is basically like this but every week it's all what's new in tax you know you can get a tax break if you insulate your house or we're having a phone in on um corporate finance or whatever but (laughs) every week there'd be something about being self-employed and they would have a self-employed Q&A where listeners could send in questions for their panel. And there was always something I took away and just sort of filed away. It was like, oh, okay, I, I need to do that. Or, oh, mm. I shouldn't do this. So
1: finding a way of, of ingesting the information in a way that isn't just like, God, I've got to read the Financial Times every day. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. if they have tax stories. But yes, that's such a nice way of looking at it. I think it's so funny to me. Listening to a podcast where they say like, "What's new with tax?" But like, <laughs> that would be really but helpful. That's the thing. We,
2: if we like, were all just burying our head in the sand, imagine if we all were like, "Okay, interesting. These yeah. are all, this is this." I suddenly have the lingo. And even you just being like, "Tax efficiency, tax avoidance, tax evasion," rather than for us, I think at the if at the beginning of this podcast, we'd have been like, "I don't know which one yeah. is the crime."
3: And like, I still make the odd mistake, or you know. The, the odd prep receipt they put in the bag and then you finish your sandwich and you chuck the bag away and I don't have the receipt you, no one is perfect at this mm. you know or I use the wrong card I was out at, um uh someone's birthday the other night and you know we were having a few drinks and I realized when I then logged into my accounting software next week I think oh, shit I, I spent like 50 quid on booze with my business card <laughs> But there's you can rectify those mistakes. Mm. Yeah. So um you just you just sort of transfer the money and say wrong card. No one is gonna no tax inspector is gonna come to your house and say, Excuse me, at quarter past eleven on the fourth of December twenty twenty one, you purchased eight pints with your business card, you're going to hell. <laughs> yeah. You'll be like, Yep, yeah, I know, and I as soon as I could, I rectified it, I transferred this money across, or I I don't know, put it down as a a loan or a mistake or yeah. whatever, but I've sort of rebalanced the figures. So it's all kind of malleable.
1: That's the, that's the biggest take home that I'm taking home from this is the two separate accounts thing. Cause I genuinely didn't, didn't think you actually could do that uh, for some reason. I don't know why. So that's, um, that's my, going to be my personal, like new year's resolution on top of my go to Bristol for a week which we talked about a few weeks ago which I, that's my the resolution um is going to be have two accounts definitely tax efficiency just get efficient and like and
2: learn some of the words and and be like oh here's a whole world that's like open to you and you doesn't doesn't have to cause a nosebleed doesn't have to make you feel like you can only be in that door if you could have been to mensa have is mensa a place <laughs> you've Question. been to mensa been on a-
1: holiday to mensa
2: just it does next feel to like Mecca. that yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that's where the accountants pilgrimage every year.
3: And if you think, you know, the combined cost of an accountant for a self assessment tax return and accounting software might be 250 quid a year, all yeah. in.
1: Mm.
3: I mean, 20 quid a month yeah. T- yeah. for neatness. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> never mind that.
1: Yes, please.
3: <laughs> we haven't even started on VAT to do a separate one.
1: Come on, stand back one. next week that's for VAT, part two. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, we'll do
2: like a yearly John Robbins yeah. tax thing. Yeah, like, come yeah, on. Do you want to do a whole month series on that? <laughs> Maybe we'll do our own money box. Do you consider doing your own? Have you thought about doing it? as No, a thing? I,
3: and I must em- emphasise this at the end, just as I did at the beginning, I'm not qualified in <laughs>
2: to tax advice. We'll get you in back in again. Podcast is just going to pivot into uh, into tax and, uh, you know, and it just money, just better with money. We're going to come to the end, but I'm so sorry. To, I uh, I cannot leave this without finding out what your adult thing was of the week. We normally do them at the beginning, but we got so deep in so quick, but I got to hear it.
3: Well, it's a bit of a sore point, actually, because oh. um, <laughs> well, as do, someone who do likes to Do bring
2: us be, home on a downer if you can.
3: <laughs> as someone who likes to be ahead of the curve, obviously, mm-hmm. interest rates are looking like they're going to go up either this month, uh, we're recording this in December, or next month, and certainly go up throughout next year. So I thought, OK, I'll do the responsible thing, I'll remortgage, because um, I'm on a tracker, so there's no fixed uh, period, I can move any time I want, so I contacted my mortgage advisor because I'm responsible and I have a good mm. mortgage advisor mm. and she said yeah this is great here are the, all the rates and I said fantastic I'll get the paperwork over to you on Monday and between last Wednesday and this Monday the rates have gone up because I was just I was only one step ahead of the big banks <laughs> so
2: if you'd done it the week before you would have been all right
3: yeah if I'd done it the week before I'd have saved myself 552 quid a year. Oh. But, you know these oh. things are sent to try us
1: yes the adult thing is that you did it Any like you, you you gave it a good go you know, i didn't i understood half of it and yeah well it's annoying really good...
3: because i'd actually been thinking about it for like six months i've been <laughs> worrying you... myself into mm. finally doing something about it um uh, but hey too late. you just got to take it on the chin
1: yeah, it'll happen again. There'll be another point when the interest rates will change. Sure. You said that with such confidence, Stevie, and I was like, no. I started off and then I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but maybe it will happen again and you can get in there with your remorse. Will they come down she again says,
2: or not? No. Um, Sir? Well, <laughs> King of money, please. What's the answer?
3: We're at historically low interest rates and by historically, you know, since the dawn of interest rates, so <laughs> right. they can't actually go down anymore.
2: Right, I yeah,
0: understand. Okay.
3: They'll go up to try and get inflation under control mm. when that happens. So the current forecast is they might go up to 1% next year. Um So if you've got a 250 grand mortgage or whatever, that's another 1% is two and a half grand a year. So right,
1: that's right. a lot of money. It's
3: 200 quid a month. That's a lot. <laughs> so um you want to mitigate that by sort of fixing now, mm. whether or not mm. they then go down again on the other side of that. We don't know, but I mean... With the 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 era of five percent savings accounts is long gone.
1: Well, I mean, I said it before, and I'll say it again: ending on a high, guys. <laughs> um, thank you so much, John. That was so helpful. And please do go and watch Bad Golf with John and Alex Horn playing bad golf. And also fun around it, fun around the golf. So, if you don't, if you're like, I don't don't know what golf is, you'll really enjoy it. And then also the Moon Under the Water podcast, uh, where you talk about your perfect pub with, Mm. oh, Robin. The lovely Robin. It's my hinterland. Go and and immerse yourself in John's hinterland. John is famously on Twitter uh, at Nomadic Reverie. And you can follow us at Nobody Panic Pod. And if you have any, uh, not questions about tax, because we can't answer that, we'll give it a go. future we won't uh for any future episodes that you'd like us to tackle or, or people that you'd like us to have on nobody panic podcast at gmail.com thank you so much for listening go and sort your tax out you need to start now let's do it now and best wishes many thanks goodbye try not to do any crimes but if you do hey you tried your best <laughs> okay great and nice. let's end with that Bye. Bye bye <laughs>
0: That's stamps.com. Code program. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont.
1: And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell.
0: If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy our podcast.
2: It's called Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains.
1: It, we have a podcast and uh, it might be, uh, I am probably don't want to sound, um, you know, like I'm bragging, but it's dynamite. It is electric. It's high voltage. And please, we really need you to listen. You don't understand how much we need this.
2: Is it on all the platforms?
1: Oh, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brands.